Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the one and only Long Beach State Athletics Podcast featuring the one and only Athletics Director, Andy Fee. It's the LB Fee Show, hosted every week by the562.org, which is myself, J.J. Fiddler, and to my right. Mike Gardabasio, uh, co-editor of the 562.org. It's, I'm going to just tell you one more time. It's not the athletics director. It's the director of athletics, and it's a completely different job. You fancy, huh? You uh, know, I thought we I thought we squared this away last well, welcome, week. Welcome, welcome to your show, Andy Fee, Long Beach State Director of Athletics. Good to see you here at Legends at 6 p.m. on Monday, like we will we'll be uh, every week for the rest of the school year. Excited to be here and survived uh, the first week of March Madness, huh, boys? Yeah, sur- survive in <laughs> advance, absolutely. It is, uh, it is that time of year. How's your bracket looking? Uh, you know, actually, not, are you allowed to do brackets? No, you can, you okay. can. There are there Don't are bet rules. on it, Mike. Right. There are Don't rules around it. it. Yeah. You can't bet on it. <laughs> um, I did not actually fill one out for like the first time in a long time, although I've mentally filled it out, and I'm undefeated. You know, my bracket <laughs> is perfectly intact. You're a big UMBC guy. Totally had the yeah. retrievers. Love those guys. Absolutely. Is there a game that sticks out? I think this is one of the best tournaments I've seen in my life. Well, you know, I think the Nevada game, um, yes. you know, having seen them play a couple times actually over the past two years, they're really underrated. I think a lot of people out there who don't know much about mid-major basketball and Eric Musselman have no idea what a good coach he is and what he's done with that program. Eric Musselman might be burning more calories than anyone else in this <laughs> tournament. He is active on the sideline. He is like Brian Camacho with our women's <laughs> basketball program. You just don't know how many calories are burned per game, but it's a lot. Uh, we are, as we mentioned, down here at Legends on 2nd Street at 6 p.m. every Monday. Our guest a little bit later in the show will be Mike Campbell, the head coach of the Long Beach State Beach Volleyball team. Uh, Andy, I was looking around at the schedule for the week and realizing you've got four nationally ranked programs going on in the spring right now. And I have to say, I think you're a little bit of a bandwagon athletic director. You just you show up when the dirt bags are you know, getting ready to host a regional and super regional. All the spring sports are nationally ranked. What's the deal? You, you, you couldn't be an athletic director during the, the lean times? Right, right. You know, I mean, I pick my, <laughs> pick my spots wisely. But, you know, it's, we got a lot going on. Obviously, we got Coach Campbell here tonight and, and what he's doing with our with our sand program is pretty phenomenal. And, uh, you know, kudos to, to our coaches and student athletes. Well, it is kind of a, a question we get a lot that we don't know the answer to. And you just said you're very busy, very busy time of year. So, so what does that look like? What's your average Tuesday look like for Andy Fee in the office? Is it just an intricate series of good luck dances that you, if you stop doing them, everything will collapse? Or what do you do like in your, your quote unquote nine to five, even though it's probably not nine to five? You know, it, it, it's kind of funny. I just uh, was thinking about this the other day. I think it was Saturday. I was looking at my, my weekly calendar and just going, oh, boy, there's just <laughs> – is there five minutes in there, five minutes? Um, you know, what, what I do a lot is um, kind of at that – I call it the 70,000-foot view. So it's a lot of big-picture things, but it's pushing everything forward. As I always talk with my staff, um, I talk about kind of the three core values and principles that I, that I talk about. I'm going to drop them again. You know, number one – Uh, that we provide the best possible experience for our student athletes. That's in the classroom, the field of competition. The second is build and sustain winning programs, compete for championships. And then three, do things the right way. So my days are really focused on trying to do all three of those things, but it's working on building partnerships, and that's uh, across our community with with donors, boosters, uh, corporate partners on campus. Um, I serve on the president's executive cabinet. Uh, so today uh, we met this morning and that covers everything that you can possibly think of happening on a campus, which is a great opportunity for me to be able to sit at that table 
How long um, is that meeting? Because it's the he- it's sort of the heads of every different thing happening on campus, right? So I imagine yeah. if everyone talks for ten minutes, that could be two hours right there. It's right? it's a two hour meeting. Um, it's it's all the vice presidents, and um, it's really a great opportunity. Uh, for the athletics program because at every university that's not always the case where an athletic director or director of athletics depending on who you are uh, gets to sit on that cabinet so um, to be able to to have a a seat at the table um, speaks volumes about President Conley's commitment to athletics and then um, you know what we're all trying to do which is work together to to make the experience for for our student-athletes the best one possible. So a lot of meetings then? Lots of meetings I mean I wish I could tell you it was very exciting and you know but Meetings but it, are exciting. Meetings you are know, exciting. You get, you get do a little like a pregame speech to yourself before meetings. You know, I psych myself up a little bit. You know, <laughs> get in the corner. Remember Al Herbosky? Do you remember yeah, Mad, yeah. The Mad Hungarian? <laughs> yep, like it's yeah. a little bit like that. Okay. Folks yeah. at home, if you don't know that, go ahead and YouTube that. We need we need a we need a behind the scenes video for next week, JJ. I need you to follow Andy around to get the routine. I think everybody who's worked in an office knows that when it comes to break time, they have traditions. Do, do you have a break time tradition? Are you a guy who likes to take a long walk or maybe dive into your phone, I, check I, your mentions? a little bit I, I, I usually it's a little coffee you know and a good good cup of Java and then I and then I stroll around the office and try and do the management by walking around a little bit and visit uh, which usually then my assistants chasing me down telling me Andy you're supposed to be in the conference room right now and I go I know that you're you're very, you're very Jed Bartlett about it you're always moving always on to what's next it's tough to hit a moving target <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on, Andy, uh, and having us do this show with you each and every week. Uh, Like we said, we are going to bring on Coach Mike Campbell in just a minute. But like we do every week, it's this week at the beach, running down the schedule. That beach team is going to be on campus for two matches on Thursday. We were going to talk about that in just a minute. But we have to dip in on the dirt bags. Finally got that series win against Tulane at Blair Field last weekend. They are going to be at Cal State Fullerton some team that plays out there in the uh, Orange County area, not quite sure. Uh, Incredible rivalry in the Big West, but this is not a Big West series. And I think this is fascinating that these two programs have decided, this is the eighth straight year they've done this, that they are gonna play three games against each other, not in the Big West schedule every year for two reasons. One, RPI, and two, for attendance. We, yeah. we got to keep doing this, Andy. This is this is perfect. And we'll keep it going uh, as long as we can. I, I've talked to, to Jim Donovan, the, the athletic director, director of athletics at uh, Fullerton. <laughs> and, uh, you know, things are going to change eventually when we add the two other schools into the Big West. Um, that conference schedule will open up and, and, and be probably a 30-game schedule. So that will affect it a little bit. But, I mean, if you, if you follow college baseball, and you live in the area, whether it's down in Fullerton or up here, I mean, what better place than to see future major leaguers and some of the best uh, in college? Well, it guarantees that both home stands gets to hate their rival at least three times every season, which as a baseball fan and a heckler, I just love it. <laughs> not, not while you're on the job, though. No, obviously. There's no right. cheering from the press box. We all know this. However... There was a, uh, a part of me that really wanted to cheer very hard or at least give the guy a bat on the back on Sunday, Tyler Radcliffe. I don't know if everybody has heard this story, but I'll get through it pretty quickly. He is a Long Beach Wilson High School alum, has struggled with injuries, mainly uh, his knee for the last few years. You may remember him, his heroic performance in the regional last year, uh, pitching that Monday night game. This year, slowly working his way back in from another injury, he gets hit on the hand by a foul ball on Friday night. Now, this Dirtbags team has just been riddled with injuries. 
Tyler Radcliffe goes and gets x-rayed on Friday. Troy Buckley basically just marks his name off of the weekend starting rotation, saying, well, another injury for this team. But soaking his hand in ice and ibuprofen all weekend, Radcliffe comes back and has his best start of his career on Sunday to help the Dirtbags win that series. He goes seven scoreless, one-hit baseball, wins Big West Pitcher of the Week. I, I said it on Twitter, if that's not a microcosm of this entire season, the Dirtbags get injured and then somehow still figure out a way to be competitive, it, it, that's Tyler Radcliffe and that's this team and that's been this season. So I guess you just lean into the skid, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And I, I saw Tyler after the game and I asked him, I said, well, how do you feel? And he showed me his his right hand and I said well it doesn't look you know I can't even tell and he showed me his his left he showed them both <laughs> and you could see the swollen portion that had gone down but you know even he was pretty blown away I think with what he was able to do because you know you get scared you know Friday night and you know regardless of how you feel if you're going to the hospital for x-rays that's usually not a great sign so um, you know kudos to him stepping up to the plate I mean that's a huge series win uh, you know, momentum builder for, for, you know, the program going up uh, as we get into Fullerton. So great momentum builder, just confidence builder too. quote of the week came from that situation. Head coach Troy Buckley said when he heard it hit someone in the dugout, he hoped it was head coach or assistant coach Greg Bergeron, which I think is hilarious. Just hoping that it hit someone, but not a player. There, there's there's your dirtbag season. <laughs> Uh, moving around the rest of the uh, athletic department, the women's tennis program will be hosting Dartmouth at 1 p.m. Uh, on Friday. On Saturday, the softball team, uh, which has been red hot, went uh, went 5-0 last week. They will be at Loyola Marymount on Saturday at 1 p.m. The women's water polo team, the other nationally ranked program, will be at number four UCLA on Saturday at 3 p.m. Long Beach State never beaten UCLA in women's water polo. 22 and 0 are the Bruins. Is that an attempt at a reverse jinx on the OBF show? You know it, man. <laughs> we do whatever it takes here, right? That's what we too superstitious to be superstitious, Mike. We know we know what we're doing. Okay, well, uh, as we uh, get ready to welcome on our first guest here, uh, we'd like to take a moment to remind you that uh, the LB Fee Show is a partnership between the Long Beach State Athletic Department and the 562.org, a new nonprofit, locally funded community coverage, sports coverage outlet that JJ and I have started. Uh, please log on to the 562.org, click subscribe. We need the support of the public in order to make this thing work and keep doing projects like this, which, uh, which we love doing. And... With that said, let's welcome on our our first and only guest, I should say, Mike Campbell, the head coach of Long Beach State Beach Volleyball Team. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, absolutely, Coach. Thanks for coming on. Uh, it's your fourth year at Long Beach State, and uh, just a little bit of background information. Straight out of Santa Monica. Correct. CIF champion. Not, not a lot of people get to say that. Uh, also went to UCLA. You are the reigning Big West Coach of the Year, so congratulations on that. Uh, you've led the Long Beach State Beach, beach volleyball team to uh, two of the last three uh, NCAA championships at Gulf Shores, which we'll talk about in a second. Why you guys play at Gulf Shores, I'll just never know. And your team upset number four Florida State last week. Four straight wins. You got two matches at home coming up on Thursday. Washington Vanguard. So we are catching you in the heart of your season. So thank you so much for taking the time out of what I'm sure is a very busy schedule. Yeah, absolutely. It has been a uh... You know, burning at both ends is an understatement almost. But, um, you know, I do it for the kids. I think the kids, like Andy said earlier, that we're trying to provide the student athletes with a great experience. And this team is is the definition of hard work in my eyes. And so I think they deserve the same from my end, if not more. 
Um, my question for you, and you know, I hear some of your fans sort of mumbling stuff like this at uh, at the matches sometimes. What is the coaching responsibility like on game day for you? Because obviously, to the untrained eye, it looks like you're hanging out in sandals, relaxing. You get everyone going, and then during timeouts, you occasionally talk a little bit. But you, you know, it doesn't look like you're not screaming and stomping and jumping up and down like a Dan Munson. What's that? What's the day of a match like for you? Yeah, so day of, we always meet uh, prior to the match and or set up uh, in our locker room, and we will go pair by pair over expectations, mindset, uh, really focus on mental training at that point and just getting our teams in a state of mind where they're ready to have a plan A, B, and even sometimes a plan C if we needed to go that far. But, yeah, like you said, during matches, we're a little limited by the NCAA rules in terms of what we're allowed to actually do. Whoa, I didn't know that. What are the, what, what are the, what's that? You can only talk to them a certain number of times? No, so during matches, we're only allowed to give encouraging feedback. So good job, really? nice work, great play. Yeah, it has to be very neutral, very uniform. You're not allowed to give any instruction. Uh, you cannot tell them anything strategical. Uh, that why is, is, that why is, is that? So I think that's, that's set for a number of reasons, but they're modeling that after international volleyball. So FIVB rules, coaches right, are actually okay. not even allowed on the sand. So they're in a coach's box. Uh, and so I think they, they're putting a little of the, uh, the ownership on the players. And so, yeah, so the only feedback we're actually allowed to give is on side changes. Players can walk and talk. That's the rule. <laughs> and then at timeouts and or pre- you know, so do you ever give encouragement like, hey, that was really good. I'd really like to see you do that again three times in a row. <laughs> yeah, you have to be, you know, you, you, get a, you get a glare every now and then from the ref. But uh, aside from that, it's usually, yeah, positive feedback and or no feedback that, at that all. That sounds like a good deal for the beach volleyball players. I would like a deal where the, my coach or my boss was only allowed to give positive, encouraging feedback. No, it sounds like a good deal for the beach volleyball referees. That's what it sounds like a good deal for. They are uh, protected by the rules, which I'm sure all referees would appreciate. Uh, Coach, you just mentioned meeting before the match, and just for those who don't know, beach volleyball, much like a, a tennis, is a, is a team sport broken down into different matches. So you have five, sometimes six matches going on at, at one time, right, or in one match. How do you decide who gets to play at what spot? Which team is number one? Which team is number two? Because the second part of this question is that's changed a lot this year for you guys. Yeah, it absolutely has. Uh, a lot of that's determined in practice. We have a couple mission statements and or themes to the year that we've decided on as a team. Um, and so, among other things, competitive is probably competition in practice is the number one thing I want to see, which team is competing, which team is exemplifying our core values best. Uh, usually the team that does that is the most successful. There are different levels of talent, but I think we're at a point and our team is so deep that on any given day, any of our pairs can beat each other. So in practice, it really comes down to, you know, kind of mentally, are they in the right place? Are they making the right decisions? Are they exemplifying the things that we need them to to be at that level and, uh, and so forth? And so, yes, recently it's changed quite a bit, but um, I think that I'm, I'm very happy with the, with the pairs and where they're at and how they're performing. Well, I would imagine you're especially happy with uh, Anita Brink and Sasha. Is it Karolov? It's Karolov, yeah. Uh, Karolov, 8-0 uh, this season. They played at the three flight, the two flight, the one flight uh, in both of the wins last week. Um, what are you seeing from them, and do you, you know how competitive do you think they can be, uh, you know, in the in the pairs championship uh, tournament? Yeah, sure. Uh, I think so. Anato, there was a lot of question marks around her health. She's. Been... I'm happy to just see her playing volleyball. Absolutely, I feel like we it's all been are. Three years in a row that yeah. I've had to write the 
it's not going to be this season, but maybe <laughs> next season for Anita. Yeah, no, we're being very smart about her health, and, and, and she's actually being very smart about her health. In the past, we've had, we've given her limitations, and she's gone beyond those, and so she's put herself into a little bit of a hole. But this year, she's been very smart, very mature about her preparation, her treatment, and then her strengthening. Uh, in the years past, she's overdone it and actually lifted too hard and further increased injury and or developed new injury. That's got to be frustrating because you love seeing that kind of desire from a player Absolutely. who's rehabbing, but then it'd be nice if she ever could finish rehabbing, Absolutely, right? yeah. So we're finally, I think she's learned through quite a tumultuous career with us that she is now at a point where, okay, this is what I need to do. This is my body. I know my body. I know my limitations. I know how to prepare and, like I said, get ready for matches and or practices. So it has been a little exciting for me just to see her healthy and, and, and maintain that because I know what she's capable of from what I saw her first year when we made a run. And so it's nice to have that back. And so our challenge is just to continue on that, that journey together and, and with no setbacks, hopefully. Let's talk a little bit uh, more about you and where you came from. You know, if the uh, back streets of Tobacco Road are to college basketball, what the South Bay is to beach volleyball, you clearly grew up in, uh, in where this sport was born. What was that like? Yeah, it's, it, it, was, it was really unique. My father was, was actually an Olympic diver. Uh, he was an alternate for the Olympic team back in the 80s. And so, you know, being an athlete was almost a requirement in my family, just doing athletic events. You know, he always signed us up for all the local little leagues, and I was just never really into it. I was an athlete. You know, he, he could tell I was talented. I could move my feet quickly, and I had coordination, hand-eye coordination, but no sport really ever got me genuinely excited. And uh, funny story, I digress a little bit here, but I was in high school, and I was so afraid of, of being in PE class that <laughs> I picked up cross-country because my older brother was on the team. And I, you know, I knew how to run. I wasn't good at it by any means. 20, minute, my, you know, 20 minutes for three miles was okay at the time for, for my team. But I would, we would venture past Santa Monica Pier. And so I would always watch the beach volleyball action going on. And one day I just said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to ditch my run. We always ran along California Incline. And uh, so I ventured down to the pier and I started playing my, I think it was my, it was the summer training session going into my freshman year. You had to join the team during that summer and train. And so I just jumped down onto the, uh, the courts and started playing with an elderly gentleman who was very friendly. And, and <laughs> next thing I know, he was like, oh, you're pretty good at this. Keep on coming. So every day for the next two years while I was on the cross-country team, I went and I would ditch my run <laughs> and I would compete on the beach volleyball courts right that, by San Juan. That Capir. is the most Santa Monica story <laughs> I've, I've ever heard. If we were filming that for the documentary about you, you'd have to have the pier in the background. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> I, this story would be better if I was sitting on the pier, right? right? <laughs> but... So yeah, so I started down there at the pier and just fell in love with the game. And then my dad actually played quite a bit just recreationally. And at the time, my brother was on the team for, he was two years older than me. So he was a, uh, he was a junior in high school when I was a freshman. And he was on the team and he was the star of the team. And so just the sibling rivalry kicked in and I knew, okay, I'm doing whatever it takes to be better than my brother. And it started out with that and it got me, you know, now I'm here. So it's, it was a wild start, but... Did you have a volleyball player that you, you know, looked up to, kind of a emulate? Well, Karch Cry being one of the most, you know, Absolutely. just fascinating athletes to me. I heard stories. My dad used to watch him play in all the AVPs. He used to take me down as a kid. But at the, at the time, I didn't really, you know, I hadn't fallen in love with the sport like I, like I did when I was in high school playing it because I was just too young and it was just not the same level. But uh, he was one of the most, you know, inspirational athletes in, in my eyes. 
um, when it comes to volleyball. And, and since then, he's gone on to do amazing things working with our women's national team. So I've done a lot of reading on him, and he's, he's been definitely a big inspiration for me as a coach. I've, I've had a couple uh, good long conversations about the sport with Karch. I'm, I'm glad you brought him up because I think uh, sort of similar to, obviously, uh, you know, maybe Long Beach State's most famous athletic alumni uh, in Missy May Trainer. He's someone who really embodies this sort of interesting place that the sport's in right now, where the relationship between beach and indoor volleyball is, I mean, there's, they really, I think people underestimate how different they are as sports, and yet it's easy to underestimate it because of people like Karch or Misty, who are elite athletes, you know, in both places. Where do you see, particularly for college, um, those sports going? Do you see more of a split where people are specializing more, especially as there's more scholarship opportunities in beach? Or do you think it'll always kind of be the, this, this sort of nebulous place it's in right now, I guess? Yeah, it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see how quickly the sport is growing in terms of beach volleyball. Um, it's, it's from the metrics last year, it's the fastest growing sport in NC2A. Um, I, you know, I think there's an opportunity for it to split and that becomes a great thing for the grassroots from the youth volleyball, where now it gives kids another opportunity to, to be great at a sport. Uh, with indoor, there's, a, there's just so much, so much established talent and that a lot of kids at an early age get discouraged. And so I think beach volleyball gives them an outlet. So you see a lot of kids from the indoor game somewhere in the, when they're 14, 15, 16, now choosing, okay, well, beach volleyball is a sport where I get to be very involved. Right. Uh, my role is, is, is pre, you know, it's, it's very evident. And so I think that inspires them a little bit. And so I love seeing that because I think sport is just something so special that, that a young athlete can learn so many life lessons in, uh, lessons that they can use later on in life for a number of reasons. And so I do think that um, it, it, it's really nice to see the sport growing and kind of differentiating. But like you said, there is just always that elite athlete that's great at both. Right. Uh, I think we have one on the roster in Haley Harward. Who's I was just a, about to say, she's, she's, a, she's a perfect example of someone. And it's a, it's a lot of the same skills, but then it is also a completely different element with the offensive side correct. of the beach game. Yeah, and so it's just really nice that our program allows a kid like that who does not want to give up on one or the other to continue and operate at a super high level and be – in a point where she can compete for an NCAA title indoor and on the beach. Uh, and I think that's just really special for a kid who wants to just win, you know? Beach volleyball growing also has some growing pains and we can't let you go without talking to you. We really talked to every beach volleyball player we talked to about this. Now obviously the AVP has had a few different uh, versions of itself and, and now you've got rivaling, rivaling leagues and then the FIVB coming to Long Beach every year with the World Series of Beach Volleyball. So if I put you in charge of professional beach volleyball today, you know, what, how would you fix it or what would you do or what would be the key to making sure that it does continue to grow at the rate it's growing? Yeah, that's a hard question. Um, I think you <laughs> got to start with youth. I think the youth exposure has to be more defined so the level of the quality of volleyball coming out of the USA program, developmental programs, uh, becomes a lot stronger. And I think they're making great strides with that with their most recent hire of a former Long Beach State uh, you know, co men's coach Tyler Hildebrand. So I think they're starting to really make an effort to develop that. And then at the professional level, yeah, the AVP is fighting with the FIVB. There's a lot of back and forth going on with weekends, who's hosting which tournament, there's the NBL, you know, so I, I almost wish that they would just all three get in a room and settle that's in on the That's what they have season. to do. Don't you feel like that's what they have to do? Absolutely. Because, it, it, it's, because like, it's like three minor league baseball things. If exactly. it consolidated, you could have one really special international or even stateside tournament. But right now, you know, we heard, we heard a lot from Kerry Walsh Jennings last year about like, yeah. it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's not like any of them like the conflict, 
But, you know, you, you, you've got to, if you're a leader in that world, obviously, do what you think is best to, you know, make it uh, viable. Yeah, and it puts the athletes in a really tough spot having to choose one versus the other when all they want to do is just continue to compete in the sport they love. And so I almost wish, yeah, like I said, the three would get in a room, decide on a season, decide on playing, you know, in terms of what the, uh, the, the prize money looks like and make a serious push to make this a sport that's domestically a little stronger than it is. You know, because the FIB internationally, some of those tournament prizes you know upwards of ten twenty thousand dollars and now you look at an avp where the where the best in the in, in america only win a couple thousand so it's right. a little tough and, and usually have to pay their own that. travel costs and their own coach costs correct and, and exactly to operate at that high level you got a whole team you got a coach you got a sports psych you got a trainer where does all that who pays all that there's only so many people that get the sponsorship so it's a lot of it i think is is sponsorship i think the avp and nvl could probably do a better job finding some sponsors that are more targeted for our sport, but again, I think those those are decisions made by much higher level. <laughs> it, it is it is an interesting question though because I've never seen someone leave one of your guys's matches or an AVP event or an FIVB event that did not have a great time. It's obviously such a spectator friendly sport. Yeah, uh, it, you guys are kind of tucked away behind the pyramid. I I love coming to your guys matches. I feel like it's sort of a a hidden gem across the whole city because you do have this you know number five team in the country and it is it's kind of tucked back there it's you know the seating's limited the fans that are there are really knowledgeable and you tend to bump into olympians obviously yeah. uh, on the sand but um what would you like to see ideally you know the sport grow within the ncaa you know do, do you think there will be stadiums what do you think that's going to look like in in 10 years if it continues to grow at this rate yeah i think the ncaa the tournament and I know we talked about earlier about why it's in Gulf Shores. I think the infrastructure there is, is set up really well to do what it needs to do, and that's exposure. Um, I it's think a harder travel for us than Granada Beach. But and yes. we just yeah. wish Gulf Shores was in a different state. That's all. Right. That's all I wish asking. it was in Southern California or Hawaii right. or somewhere a little sure. bit closer. Sure. But um, I think I think exposure is a big part, and getting it to our fans is important. Like you said, our, our, our venue is, is nice. It's tucked away. I've, we're experimenting with some ideas of getting a little bit better spectator-friendly seating type arrangements to get them a little closer. I always remember when I was a kid pulling up a, a beach chair and sitting right next to the action. And I, th I think that's the beautiful part about the sport that we need to maintain is that it is not necessarily a stadium sport. You know, it, 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 it got its, its, its background. I, mean, I remember when I watched Karsh Karai down at the Manhattan Beach Open and I had front row seats and you just pull up a chair, first come, first serve. And so I think there's a really nice element of that crowd friendly, but then you have to find a way to generate revenue. And so where that comes into, into play, again, I, I have to leave that decision to a higher power. But, <laughs> okay, um, JJ and I will get to work on yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. We'll have an answer for you by the time you guys are playing this week. Perfect. <laughs> Playing this week, Long Beach State, number five, like we mentioned, got two games on Thursday, taking on Washington, taking on Vanguard. Washington at 11 a.m., Vanguard around 2, 2.30, Coach? Yeah, it usually just depends on how the day goes, how quickly some of those duels go. We usually play next available court, so those times are all going to fluctuate a little bit here and there. You know, The more the, the duels go three and or just long, tight, close games, like we had last week, our Florida State match finished at – right as the sun set. I mean, there was basically no light left. Luckily, we had some lights really, uh, readily available for, for use if we needed outdoor lighting. But um, yeah, these duels kind of, it just depends on the flow of the match and how quickly or, or how slow they get dragged out. But. You guys have won four straight. What's, what's the key to keeping it going? Uh, you know, we, we, 
We've really been focusing on, on the mental aspect of our game this year. I think for the X's and O's, I have a great returning group. We only lost a, hit, a couple seniors in, in the lower parts of our lineup. We're returning our two All-Americans. And uh, so we have some, some the X and o, X's and O's are, are definitely covered. And so mentally, we're working on relationships. And that's been a big part of what I'm trying to teach the team is how, how important trust is and believing in, in ourselves and what we're capable of. Uh, all year long we've been overlooked in terms of the rankings and I think finally we're at a point where I think number five is something I've been ranking us all year long. I do think we're the, the fifth best team. I think there's some teams above us that, you know, we, we saw the results against Pepperdine. We lost by two points in a close deciding third set 22-20. So that's number, number one. Pepperdine. So far, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's and that's been our thing. We've lost to these teams, UCLA, Pepperdine, more times than I can count. 3-2 by two points right. in a deciding set. <laughs> and so it's 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 really, to me, there's more you can learn from failure. And so we're we're at a point in the year where we need to build the relationships, build the trust, or we can learn these these lessons that we need to learn that are really tough. And, and like I said, my kids work so hard that those losses almost become exponentially greater than just one loss on the record. You know, they, this is do or die for them. And so uh, I think, we're at a point mentally where we're really focusing in on, on learning from those those failures and, and using them as stepping stones versus, you know, a, a rock that weighs us down. Well, congratulations on all your success, Coach. Thank you so much for joining us on the LB Fee Show. Best of luck this week and, and to the rest of the season. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Mike Campbell, uh, as we bring in uh, Andy Fee. Mike Campbell, the only coach who gets to coach in rainbows at Long Beach State. Well, yeah. Don't Enviable position. Don't tell other coaches that. They yeah. might want to challenge him. Uh, Andy, coming back on the show, what what do you think? What, how how long could you stay on the sand playing beach volleyball at, at Santa Monica Pier? Could you, could you hang for a little bit? I, that, that's, you know, I think they call that living the dream. That's what I think <laughs> it's called, I'm pretty sure. And I want to go back to this whole only allowed to say positive. I, I mean, that... <laughs> I'm still trying to wrap my head around this right now. I mean, so is that not is, your management style? Which is just an even stronger <laughs> testament to the work that Coach Campbell does. Uh, yeah, I'm doing it without the yelling. That that would be a big challenge it, it, for a lot of college coaches. It, it, you know, I will say it is interesting. I covered the first year that the, that the team existed. You know, and they they, they win at that at that time. You know, the ABCA national championship. But it was really fascinating because it was at that time. <laughs> The effort to make it a, uh, a a product for more than just the West Coast was so great. Like having to call it sand volleyball because they felt like uh, beach volleyball would turn off the non-beach communities. Like that's so silly, and I feel like there's still some holdouts of that. With the you're an NCAA coach who's not allowed to do any you know active coaching during the middle of a match. That's it's, that's unique. Yeah, and I think it goes you know really to to the emergence of the sport itself, and 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 your questions of where is it in ten years. You know, I think we've got a lot of work, but, but that's the exciting part is we have a sport that, especially in Southern California, is just a huge deal. So, you know, we've talked about, three of us before, about, you know, what we need to do for this program and support our coach and, and those student athletes. And, and it's just going to get bigger. It's an organic growth. But, um, you know, we, we've got a great university, a great setting, great coaches, great student athletes. We're just lucky. You have the word beach literally in the name of the school, which doesn't hurt. You're wearing a jacket right now that says the beach on it. <laughs> We've got a little bit of an advantage, I'd say, yes. So a little bit of alumni firepower as well. The, the future of this sport is in our own backyard. That, that is for sure. And it's free. That's right. Come out to Long Beach State on Thursday, 11 o'clock, Long Beach State and Washington Beach Volleyball. Like Coach said, Bring a pullout chair. Just bring, hang out. Bring, you know, I know it's, you know, kids are in school, but if you got little, little ones, they can run around and have fun and 
it's a huge field surrounding it, and, and, and you will see some of the best and, and brightest stars uh, that you're going to see in the Olympics down the road. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great thing to see and support. That is free, but anything else on campus that you need tickets to before we get out of here, got to remind you, you need to call 985-4949, the Long Beach State Athletics official ticket office, handling all your 49er ticket needs. Like we said, this week at the beach, not as full as last week, but there's still events and previews for you to check out. You can do so at longbeachstate.com and also at the562.org, all of your Long Beach sports coverage, which is also in the Grunion Gazette. Every Thursday, Mike. Which I'm looking at right now across the street from Legends. It's free. You can pick it up. It's a full Long Beach sports section each and every week. Check it out. Check out this show next week coming at you. Same LB Fee Show time. Same LB Fee Show channel. We will be back at Legends at 6 p.m. with a guest so special we can't tell you their name yet because we haven't decided on a guest in book. Don't say the last part. You ruined it. When we do... We will tell you who it's going to be, and there will for sure be a special guest. Right, Andy? And it'll be a great guest. It'll be a great guest. Unbelievable. (laughs) Thanks for having us on your show, Andy. Appreciate it. Appreciate it as well. Uh, Excited to to see this week go on and uh, excited for next week's show.